0: As uh, we begin this morning, I'd like to ask all of the men who are deacons here at First Baptist Church, or men who have ever served in the office of deacon in this church, or in another church, to please stand. All the men, current deacons, previous deacons, everybody that served as a deacon at some time or other, thank you. Thank you for standing. Thank you for standing. Thank you for serving. Uh, I thank God for deacons. I'm very grateful that God established the office of deacon in the local church, the local New Testament church. My dad was a deacon in Park Baptist Church in McKeesport, Pennsylvania, where I grew up. He was also a deacon in Bethel Baptist Church in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And uh, set a a great example in in my life, not just as a deacon, but as a a wonderful Christian man. I thank the Lord for him, for other men that uh, served with him. I thank the Lord for deacons that I've had the opportunity to work with in this local church and in First Baptist Church in Yarmouth, Iowa, where I had the opportunity to pastor for 15 years as well. Uh, I'm just so thankful that uh, God doesn't leave pastors alone in the ministry, but there are men that he raises up to serve with him, support him, help him, encourage him, and uh, what a wonderful thing that is. Dr. Wilbert Welch, who, uh, former president at Grand Rapids Baptist College and Seminary, also a longtime pastor and consulted with churches that were in trouble and served as an interim pastor to many struggling churches, uh, he made the statement that uh, deacons were assistant pastors almost to him when he was serving as a pastor. In fact, that's kind of been my experience. And uh, last Sunday in the outline where we came to this thing about deacons as far as the uh, God's plan for leadership in the church, uh, the, the phrase that was used was assistance in leadership. Uh, deacon is an important role. I thank God for faithful deacons, but sadly, uh, not in either church that I've pastored, but in some of the churches that I had the opportunity to be around, uh, I saw men that were deacons that should not have been deacons, and it, w- it was harmful to the church, instead of being a blessing to the church, it was extremely harmful to that particular church. It, w- it, was, it was harmful to the church's testimony in the community. It was sad to see men who were seen to be one thing on one day and then get out in the community and they were something else on the days of the week. So I thank God for deacons. We're going to be talking about deacons this morning. But on behalf of the congregation and and even the average person in or out of the pew, I'd also like to say something, and I guess that's in the form of a question, what in the world is a deacon? You know, we saw who deacons are and and who they have been, men have served in those offices in the past, but what's a deacon? Uh, Deacons are part of God's plan for order and ministry in the local church, as spelled out in the New Testament. They were part of the church at Philippi, as Paul addresses them in Philippians chapter 1. Uh, as organized uh, according to God's plan in that church. We find qualifications for the office of deacon given in First Timothy chapter 3, verses 8-13. to 13. We'll be looking at that in, in a little bit. But uh, we want to take some time this morning to consider what the New Testament has to say about this important local church office. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 6 this morning, please. Acts chapter 6, and we look, first of all, at the origination of the office. The, uh, the term deacon comes from a Greek word. It's just kind of almost transliterated over into the English language, diakonos, which means servant, uh, minister, one who works for another, and the emphasis is placed on activity, somebody actively serving someone else. And uh, we find in Acts chapter 6, in the early days of the church, a problem arose. Uh, The church grew. Thousands were being added to the church. And, well, when you have a church that's growing, it it presents problems. Sometimes you need more space. Sometimes you need bigger parking lots. You need more teachers. You need more workers. Things like that. Well, in the church in Jerusalem, there were were some problems that came up. Follow along as I read, starting in verse 1. Now, in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a murmuring against the Hebrews by the Hellenists or the Greeks because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution of food. Uh, then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables or counters. Therefore, brethren, Seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, a Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, And when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. And the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Seven men here are are, are chosen, and they are not called specifically here deacons. You don't find that name for the office given to us in the text right here. But we do find, find forms of that word are used several times in the passage. In verse 1, uh, it, it talks about the daily ministrations or distributions, or, or literally it's the serving of these widows. You, when you find that the widow, one of the things God says about a church is that it needs to take care of its widows. Uh, if widows are not taken care of by families and so forth. The church has a responsibility there to, to make sure that they're, they're taken care of, as well as orphans. And that was taking place in the, the first century church there in Jerusalem. But, but the church had people that were from Jewish backgrounds, and they also had some who were had kind of a, a Greek uh, background as well, and uh, spoke Greek and so forth. And some of them felt their widows weren't being properly taken care of. Now, back to the matters, we don't know whether they were or not. The, the text doesn't go on and talk about that, but it does talk about what was done in the early church to try to make sure that people were ministered to. People didn't fall through the cracks. People were taken care of. That finances were used wisely and well and, and used to carry out the ministries that were important in the church. Uh, we find in verse 2, it uses the term serving tables. Uh, the term serve comes from the word diaconus, the, the, the verb form of it. And down in verse uh, 4, it talks about the ministry of the Word. Same idea, serving with the Word, taking care of people with the Word. That's the responsibility that the apostles had, responsibility pastor-teachers have in in the church today. Uh, Regardless of these men not being specifically called deacons in this passage, we do find that they seem to function in this fashion. Uh, and then we go on in the rest of the New Testament. We find you go over to Philippians chapter 1, and Paul addresses the saints in Philippi with pastors or bishops and, and deacons. So that, that's an office within the church uh, as he addresses the church in Philippi. We find qualifications are given in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Not the duties uh, necessarily or a description, but the qualification. And it was the church, uh, the growth in the church in Jerusalem that it made it necessary to have deacons, to help carry out the ministry. Uh, no other passage says anything along these lines. First Timothy gives us qualifications. And so if, if this is not the place where, where, where deacons start, and these men aren't deacons, quite honestly, we really don't know where deacons come from, what they do. Uh, this is probably, according to in Acts chapter 6, probably the origin of the office of the deacon or people requiring more of the apostles' time and overseeing the caring of people. And so these men were raised up. The apostles delegated this responsibility to the deacons as the deacons were chosen by the church. Acts chapter 6 is a very important passage of Scripture. We find here some of the basis for congregational church government and where really the the decision-making takes place within, within a local church and it teaches congregational church government. We uh, come down, and when we consider the uh, duties of the office, and uh, we find out that there are some responsibility duties that also have some authority connected with them. Where it, uh, in verse 3, it says, Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. These men were going to be given some responsibility. And whenever you're given some responsibility, it's good to be given some authority to carry out that responsibility. And they had responsibility over this ministry, uh, making sure that the widows were going to be taken care of. Now, now sometimes we get, I think, a faulty picture in our mind when we find the the words of the apostles saying, it's not fitting that we should leave the word of God and and prayer and, and serve tables. And we picture what's going on here as, as serving as waiters or or caterers. And that that's what the apostles were being pushed into, and that's what the deacons were chosen to do. That That's not the picture here. In fact, this idea of tables is many times connected in the New Testament with, with finances. Taking care of finances. In, in uh, Matthew chapter 21 and verse 12, when Jesus went into the temple and he found the corruption that was going on there, we're told he overturned the money changers' tables uh, or, or counters that they worked at. The, the table or the counter was a place where business was transacted. In in uh, Luke chapter 19 and verse 23, uh, we find it, it talks there, uh, the unfaithful steward is being rebuked and he's asked, why didn't you take my money, by, by the master, why didn't you take my money, and, and it says in the King James, put it in the bank. Literally, if you go back to the Greek text, is why didn't you put it on the counter or, or put it on the table? You know, sometimes even the English word counter we use it in different ways, don't we? And a lot of times you think of a counter as a place where you transact business. You, uh, you buy something at a store, you want to purchase it, where do you go? You take it up to the the counter you talk about things being laid out on the counter sometimes you talk about people being paid under the counter or under the table and uh taxes and social security and all that stuff being uh taken care of in situations like that but at any rate that's the thing that's in view here the the matter of handling the finances people were bringing finances giving to the church and a portion of those finances were being used to take care of the widows and there were subject our widows aren't being properly taken care of so these men are given the responsibility to make sure that the finances is being spent well to take care of the, the ministries really, of the church. So there's some responsibility duties here over the ministry to widows. There, there are servant duties. And it wasn't just these guys using the money any way they wanted to, but it was a matter of, of being responsible to the Lord and responsible to the church and responsible to the congregation, to see to it that the ministry was being carried out properly and that the church was operating in terms of good stewardship. And we find also implied in this passage of Scripture, we find that the duties of a deacon have to do with assisting apostles in Acts chapter 6, and later on when the apostles are gone, assisting elders or pastors within a local church. Uh, taking responsibility and and serving and giving assistance in in all kinds of of situations. Uh, there's the tremendous importance in the church as far as giving the the pastor more opportunities to, to not neglect the ministry of the Word of God and prayer. And really, that's the one of the main things the church is about, right? We got a message to present. Well, we're about ministering the Word of God. We're about taking God's revelation, His written Word, and also His living Word, the Lord Jesus Christ, and and proclaiming them and helping people to apply them to their their life. That's one of the main functions of the church. And boy, I'll tell you what, there's a million different ways a pastor can be distracted from that. Uh, Distracted from from study of the Word and prayer and, and from sharing the Word of God with people effectively as well. So God has raised up deacons to help out in, in this particular regard. In Acts 6, it was to help take care of the widows, but it can have to do with any service in the church, which would relieve pastors of burdens tending to interfere with their ministry. It can be determined, can be used with those who serve in any capacity. Uh, Dr. Welch spoke about some areas that uh, deacons were... were be very helpful in, in serving in assisting pastors one is providing wisdom and insight and multiple counsel in the proverbs it says that that in the multitude of counselors there is victory in the multitude of counselors there is is wisdom in the multitude of counselors uh, that there is establishing the things that need to be done without counsel Plans go awry, we read in Proverbs fifteen twenty two, And I thank God for, for men to be able to talk things over with, men whose brains to pick. The sad thing is they don't always agree with me. But you know what? That turns out to be a very beneficial thing. I, I, I thank God for the mistakes that I've been stopped from making by wise counsel from men that I've had the privilege to work with as, as deacons. That's a very important thing. Anybody that thinks he's got it all together himself, and can figure out everything himself. You know what? He is sadly mistaken. Uh, we need multiple viewpoints on things. We need people to, to not be yes men, but people to to stand up and, and to talk things over in, in a Christ-like and and honest and open fashion, even when there's disagreement that takes place. I uh, thank God for multitude of counselors. One of the other ways that deacons can really be a help to a pastor is in undergirding and encouraging the pastor. Whether you realize it or not, no pastor's got it all. No pastor can do everything well. And uh, I thank the Lord the, that he's helped out in, in my life and my ministry by uh, where I've got weak points. He's brought men alongside that have been able to take up the slack. I'll, be, I'll tell you one of my weak points. You know a lot of the other ones you figured out for yourself. I am not a super visionary. I am not a real creative person. I, I'm not one who is big about developing all sorts of new things, new programs and things like that. Sorry, that's not me. You know, I'm, I'm about uh, carrying on the, the ministry and ministering to people and taking care of the situation. Same thing at home. It was up to me. We wouldn't have any new paint on the walls. You know, my wife the likes to do we don't need new furniture what's wrong with the furniture we got you know that that that's kind of the way that god made me but i'm thankful for god men that god has brought alongside that are visionaries maybe the church should be ministering in this area maybe we need to be spending some money over here maybe we need to to be carrying out a ministry in, in, in another area and, and i thank god for that and other weak areas god's god's helped me with but that, that that's part of the function No pastor has all the gifts. No pastor has all the abilities. But you know what? God can bring people into our lives, into our church, in our ministries to help make up for those weak points. And the wise man, the wise pastor, takes advantage of the assets that are available in the lives of of other people as well. We find that uh, deacons be a great help in dealing with potential problems by ministering to the people in the church. Uh, being involved in the lives of the people, protecting a pastor in matters of discipline and and tough decisions. I thank the Lord that when we've had to deal with some issues of discipline in this church, that when we, I've been able to stand before the church, I could say that the deacons were on board. And and when we've had to exercise church discipline, there's always been unity it has been there. Okay, we need to take this step. It's a serious step. It's a big step, but we really need to take it and it's so helpful to be protected by, by the deacons when it comes to things like that. I can carry on the shepherd ministry. Deacons can generate and maintain a positive attitude in the body of the church, being examples. For they're, they're to be full of the Holy Spirit. And when a person's full of the Holy Spirit, according to Ephesians chapter 5, they, they give thanks in all things. And they rejoice always. And they submit to one another in the fear of God. And so if you've got deacons that are full of the Holy Spirit, they help bring to the church an attitude of rejoicing and thankfulness and submitting to one another. And how important, how wonderful that that is. Serving as living portraits of biblical Christianity, being models of godly living and joyful and positive Christianity, family love, concern for the hurting, and outreaching friendliness, which includes having a burden for souls and wanting to reach people for Jesus Christ, wanting to get the gospel out. Great areas where pastors can or, or can be helped by, by deacons. There's an area where deacons are, are not to function. It's not that deacon, deacons are not to run the church like a governing corporate board runs a business. In fact, the term deacon board is some, can sometimes be uh, rather uh, misleading, as far as how, the, how they're actually to function. I'm, I'm reading a portion here from uh, a book on Baptist distinctives, a New Testament order by a fellow by the name of Kevin Bowder. Uh, I actually was at his ordination quite a few years ago. He's a professor. In fact, he's president was president of Central Baptist Seminary in Minneapolis. But he uh, makes the statement. Unfortunately, it's fair to say that many Baptists have borrowed their notion of deacons from other kinds of churches or even from models in the business world. What then is the biblical function of deacons? Negatively, biblical deacons are not rulers or governors over the church. They do not constitute a board. A board is a governing body that has authority to make binding decisions on behalf of an organization. In a Baptist church, however, all decision-making authority is rooted in the congregation. The congregation may delegate certain decisions to pastors and deacons, but it always reserves the right to call its officers into account. Baptist churches are congregationally governed, not deaconally governed. So there's sometimes churches get the idea, or deacons get the idea that they, they, they govern the church, but there's always an accountability, that there's decision-making ability that is delegated. Our church puts together the budget each year, and there's authority delegated to the, the, the deacons and the trustees to, to help implement that budget. But we're accountable to the congregation. Deacons are selected by and accountable to the congregation. Qualifications, we see some spelled out here in in Acts chapter 6, where it says there to be men, uh, number one, there to be men of good reputation in the community and in the church. There to be full of the Holy Spirit and also full of wisdom. And they would be given authority and responsibility over that area. We find that qualifications are spelled out in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 to 13, flip over there with me. Let me read that for you. 1 Timothy chapter 3, starting at verse 8, and reading through verse 13, one of the things we find is that the qualifications for a deacon are virtually identical to those of a pastor, except that a deacon doesn't have to be apt to teach. Uh, starting in verse 8, it says, Likewise, deacons must be reverent not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. But let these also first be proved, then let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children in their own houses well. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So we find qualifications laid out there, almost identical to those of the pastor previously in, in 1 Timothy chapter 3. But deacons don't have to be able to teach. But they do have to hold the mystery of the faith. They need to know what they believe and, and hold to that. Understand the, the, the gospel, understand the faith, and hold it with a clear conscience and then we find the qualifications that are spelled out here uh, are are concerned with character and faith and family relations and reputation and judgment and spirituality you know sometimes people think well boy so and so he's got a successful business so man he would make a good deacon in the church you know what it's not about uh, business qualifications things like it's the spiritual qualifications a man's Christ-likeness, his walk with the Lord, uh, how things are in his family. It even mentions something about qualifications for the, the wife of a deacon given here as well. But uh, these things are, are spelled out for He's supposed to have a good home life, be a one-woman man. He shouldn't be an adulterer. He shouldn't be a man who flirts or, or has a roaming eye when his children are home. He needs to manage them well, disciplining when needed and manage his home well. By the way, such qualities are, are God's standard for all believers. God doesn't have a double standard. These are things He desires of every believer, that we have this kind of a Christ-like character. If somebody doesn't, he ought not be chosen to serve as a deacon in this local church. But these are expectations God has for all of it. There's also a commendation here. If a man, in verse 13... If he serves well as a deacon, he obtains, they obtain for themselves good standing and great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. They get a good standing, a, a, appreciation within the congregation. And this next term is interesting. Boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. You know, I think we see a couple examples of this. He's talking about deacons that serve faithfully within the local church, carry their ministry out there, and then there's additional opportunities to serve the Lord. Remember, Stephen is one of the examples, one of the deacons who was chosen in Acts chapter 6. What do you find in Acts chapter 7? Yeah, we find Stephen preaches to the whole, um, whole mass of people there, gives a fantastic testimony for Christ, and ends up being the first martyr in the church. But he was faithful in carrying out that ministry he'd been appointed to there in Acts chapter 6, and then God gives him the opportunity to be the first martyr in the, You might say, well, man, I pass on that. That's what it's about. Forget it. I'm not interested in that. But, hey, man, what a testimony Stephen had to those people. And we're still talking about Stephen today, aren't we? You move on to Acts chapter 8, and you find Philip going down the road, and he comes across a a government official from Ethiopia, and the guy's reading from the Old Testament, lo and behold, he's reading Isaiah 53, and Stephen asks this guy, do you understand what you read? And the guy says, how can I understand unless somebody, is this passage talking about the writer or somebody else? And Philip gets the opportunity to say, I'm glad you asked. And then he begins in Isaiah 53 and tells this government official from Ethiopia all about Jesus and what Christ had done for him. And the next thing we know, Philip's baptizing these guys in an oasis, this fellow in an oasis there. And Philip had been faithful in carrying out that ministry within the local church, and, and God gives him boldness to be able to stand before this government official. Man, when God gives you opportunity within a local church, whether you're deacon, whether you're serving in any other capacity, be faithful. God gives you any opportunities along the way, be faithful. You know what God will do? He'll give you more opportunities. And he'll give you the boldness that you need to take advantage of those opportunities to stand for Jesus Christ. Now, it may give you the opportunity to baptize somebody like Philip did, or it may get you a few thousand stones like Stephen did. You know, Peter preached on the first day of the church on Pentecost and he got 3,000 souls. Stephen preached full of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 7, he got 3,000 stones. So our responsibility is to be faithful, and we leave the results to the Lord. We find that there are also opportunities to serve outside the office of deacon. In fact, the local church is all about serving. There are some qualifications and expectations for those who the church chooses to serve in the church as deacons in the local church, but God's plan is for all of us as believers to be serving. You don't have to have an office. You don't have to have a title in order to serve. God's plan involves all of us as believers serving the Lord. He's given all of us as believers gifts. And and one of the gifts that I think probably every believer has is the gift of, of serving. Spelled out in Romans twelve. There, there's the gift of helps. You're not sure what your spiritual gifts are. Let me encourage you. Just start when you're seeing something that needs done. Go ahead and serve in that capacity. You need somebody that needs help. Help. You need something. That, see something there that, that, where there needs to be some help to carry some. Get involved in help. You don't have to have a title. You don't have to have an office. You don't have to get credit for it. Somebody stated years ago. It'd be interesting to see what God could do. Uh, in a local church where people were busy about serving the Lord, nobody cared who got the credit for what was done. You know, that's what it's about, right? We serve the Lord, and he's the one that should get the glory, not us. We find God's plan involves pastor, teachers, equipping saints for the work of ministry. And that's what it's about. Not just pastors serving, not just deacons serving. It's all about the church serving, reaching out, ministering to other people, with the gospel, and being encouragement to others. We need servant-hearted people. That's what the church ought to be. People leaving, looking to serve, not looking to be served. Sometimes people leave a church because, well, I just wasn't ministered to there. I just wasn't served there properly. Well, you know what? You know what your problem is? You probably have it all turned around. If you're in church and you're looking to be served, you've got it upside down. God's plan is not for all of us to just sit in pews and look for somebody to serve us. God's plan is for everybody to be involved in serving the Lord. We need servant-hearted people. I'm looking to do something. I'm looking to serve other people instead of looking to have other people serve me. Well, Well, what about if I have situations in my life where I need somebody to serve me, help me? Leave that with the Lord. We take opportunities to serve others and serve the Lord as they come our way. And there are limitless ways in which you can serve in a local church. If you're not serving, it's not because there aren't opportunities. There are opportunities to be involved. Well, number one is prayer warriors. I don't care if you're 103 years old and, and you, you can't get out of a wheelchair. Man, one of the things we need is, is people that will pray. As a pastor, I need your prayers. Our deacon certainly needs your prayers. That didn't sound right, did it? But they do, and they they would admit that they do. Our teachers need your prayers. Our missionaries need our prayers. Oh, how important that is! Sunday school teachers, when you Sunday school te- need Sunday school teacher helpers to just help do crowd control. Say, well, I can't really teach very well, but you could be in the classroom and help a Sunday school teacher by sitting next to Johnny there, who's the fidgety one who has a hard time sitting still, and he tends to distract everybody in the whole class. By the way, you know who Johnny is, he's the future missionary. He's a future pastor. But he may need somebody that just needs to sit with him and help him to not distract others and to, to listen to the teacher. Children's church leaders, helpers, nursery workers. God bless nursery workers who are willing to take care of other people's babies so that they can... Uh, those people can be ministered to in a local church service, not having to worry about their baby crying and different things like that. Uh, I thank God for nursery workers. Oh, what, what what a joy they are. By the way, that's one of the reasons we try to cut things off around noon or so here, pretty close to that, and don't try to go 20, 30 minutes. I know some people well, I just keep going. It doesn't, You know what? It, I, I've been in junior church. I've been in the nursery. And you know what? Noontime comes around or so after you've been working with those kids in junior church and you've exhausted all your material and all your patience and, and, and you're ready to go. last thing you need is a long-winded preacher going until 1230 or 1245. No amen? <laughs> and rate, anyway, thank God for nursery workers, ushers, greeters. You can shake a hand. You can smile. Now, one of the most important things for people to do when they walk into a church for the first time is to be welcome. to have somebody greet them. Somebody walks into a church and nobody says hello, even notices that they're there. That's sad, and that is not Christ-like either. Musicians, trustees helping to take care of the church property, take care of the offerings, things like that. Work projects, thank God for the toolbox ministry. Uh, but, you know, there's other opportunities outside of that church treasurer thank god for holly Kilborn, who's been our treasurer here for many many years and done it so very very faithfully financial secretary norm avery has done that for years and years and we and trudy is a wife before him and jody beecher stepping into that role here uh, and help take care of your offering so if you declare your your giving to the irs and they question you on that or anything they've, they've got a record to help you with that uh, library workers cards phone calls emails visits to hurting or, or needy people could you do that you know one of the things that, that I'm always fascinated by is when I go see somebody in the hospital or at home after they've had an illness or they've had a death in the family and they will tell me I got 32 cards from people at the church you know what those cards mean somebody cares or or man I can't believe how many emails that i got from people about what i was facing in my life how long does it take to send an email now it's not as personal as a handwritten note but some of our handwritten notes aren't that legible anyway and you type it out hit send and boom it's it's there drive somebody to church be a van driver we're thinking about trying to use the vans on sunday morning if we do that we need more van drivers but if we run the vans on sunday morning we can bring more kids in and if we bring more kids, and you know what? We need some people, maybe it will sit with it. You adopt a child, it'll sit with you for the, the morning service, or at least until junior church time. Or for the older ones that don't have junior church, let them sit with you. Be an encouragement to them. Uh, what, what, All kind of opportunity. Mow the grass. Shovel the snow. Great Festians mowed the grass here for a number of years. Thank God for him. And Frank Taylor for how many years before that until the Lord took him home. Uh, thank God for people that just... And they don't get paid for those things. They just want to do them. Shovel snow. Henry Wagner, Dell Stevenson have done that. We could use more. Those guys are getting older. And if, and if, they, can't do, if they can't do it, then and then you know Pastor Mark's going to have to do it. We want him to be able to. <laughs> we want him to be able to teach Sunday school. Open your home to newcomers and visitors. Boy, somebody comes to church and they get invited home for a Sunday dinner. Man, that 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 helps sell the church, doesn't it? Nobody cares. Bible study leader, you sponsor, helper. Awana leader. Need any helpers this year, Tim? For Awana, we need some more helpers for Awana. We need people to listen to verses. We need people that maybe you can't drive a van, but you could be a you could ride shotgun to help on the van. What a ministry! By the way, I don't know if he's here this morning or not. There was a young fellow stopped by the church who lives out in Washington State. And he was here for his 30th year reunion, 30th year high school reunion. And he stopped by the church yesterday, just wanted to see the church. And uh, I gave him the tour, showed him through. Orville and Jody Beecher were here with their girls. And and I talked to the young fella. He knows the Lord. He's living for the Lord out in Washington State, involved in a a good church out there. uh, Serves in, in law enforcement out in Washington State he remembered Awana and being back here for Awana his, mo- his dad died when he was young and his mom didn't bring him to church uh, he came to church I don't know who brought him I'm not sure how he got here but he came to Awana for years 30 years later that young fella living for the Lord and he remembered Dick Downing being the commander he asked me about Dick Tuma maybe you were teaching him in Awana there But uh, I won't give you his name uh, right now. If you want to know later on, I'll I'll give it to you. But I told Orville and Judy, I said, man, that just helps confirm what we're doing here and trying to give our children's ministry a shot in the arm with with some better facilities and also doing some differences in program and things like that, enlisting some more workers. Is, Is it worth it? 30 years later, this guy's living for the Lord. And where did he get his teaching and his training? He got it right here at First Baptist Church. Anyawada program. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that encouragement. There's some other areas you can serve. Share the gospel. If we can speak, we can share the gospel. Pass out tracks. I can't talk. Well, you can pass out tracts to people. You can leave a track with a waiters. Don't leave a, a track and no tip. Leave a generous tip with your track. Soundboard operator. Something new coming up, folks. We're going to need help, people to help with checking in. we got a nice computerized system we're going to use to help keep your children secure in Sunday school and children's ministries and on Wednesday ministries. We're going to need some people to help operate those computers and, and help parents when they come in to register their child and then their children and then check them out. We need some people to help with that. Talk to Bob Sturzer or Tim Hill if you want to help in those regard or Pastor Chris. You can serve on a committee. But you know what? You can serve without being on a committee. And right now, the we need people that have the spiritual gift of painting, or, or even don't necessarily have the spiritual gift of painting, and those willing to help by cleaning. There's areas to serve. Somebody said, well, man, I'm not going to serve in the church because I'm not a deacon. Those people don't elect me deacon." So what? So what? Who are you serving? We're serving the Lord. We're serving Christ. And, and what matters? What matters is that we serve him and live for him and put him first in all that we say, all that we do, and that he get the glory. We don't need the glory. We don't need the glory of a title. In fact, you know what a title means? It means responsibility. It means accountability. That's what a title means. Thank God for the privilege to serve him. Who are we serving? We're serving Jesus. Why should we serve him? And why should we serve him until he takes us out of this world? Because of what he did for us on Calvary's cross. We don't do this to get salvation. We do it because we've been given salvation as a free gift. And we're not trying to pay him back for the salvation he gave us. We're just trying to say back to Jesus, I love you. Thank you for loving me enough to go to Calvary's cross. Lord, I love you enough. I'm going to bend over and pick up this piece of paper that somebody threw on, your, on, your, on the floor of your house. I'm going to pick up this gum wrapper that somebody left on the pew. Lord, I'm going to shovel snow for you. Lord, I'm going to I'm going to help wash a window for you, Lord. I love you. I just want to show you that I love you. I want you to know that. I want to live my life for you in every way that I possibly can. Heavenly Father, thank you for deacons. I thank you for what they meant in my life, my ministry over the years. Thank you for my dad's faithful testimony as a deacon. Lord, I thank you for opportunities you give us all to serve thank you we don't have to have that title we don't have that office in order to serve you you want us all to be busy serving you glorifying the lord jesus christ and helping to build your church may that be a reality in our lives and if there's anybody with us today that's never responded to the gospel and taken christ as their savior they're not ready to serve you yet but help them to put their faith in christ today we pray in jesus name amen well we talk